When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your moves. Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Way. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Hello, modern lovers. I have a question for you. Is it possible that Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton have affected your love life? Mm, think about it. You'll be surprised by the answer that so many people are giving. It used to be that religion, race, education traditionally were the things we'd look for in potential partners, but now political affiliation is having a huge impact on many relationships. Our show tonight is about the devastating impact that the presidential campaign has had on personal relationships of the love variety. Now, what do you do when someone you love has a dramatically different political point of view? Facebook research reveals a whopping 34% of its users report defriending someone over political posts this year. No matter which candidate ultimately takes the election, some friendships and some love relationships will never be the same. Psychoanalysts Dr. Frida Birnbaum is here to share why this election, more than previous ones, is causing stress on relationships, whether losing a friend because of political differences is an indication maybe the friendship wasn't a strong one or the relationship wasn't a strong one to begin with. We'll find out. Based in New York City, Dr. Frida is a research psychoanalyst and the author of What Price Power?, an in-depth study of the professional woman in a relationship. She's also an expert on depression, women's issues, those might be synonymous, and attaining happiness. She's also been featured on Oprah in 2020 as the oldest, hmm, is this oldest mom in the USA to have twins? I believe that's what it says, oldest mom in the USA to have twins at age 60, if you can believe that. She's also written a book, Life Begins at 60. Her website is www.drfrida.com. Welcome to the show, Dr. Frida Birnbaum. Thank you so much. So how is it that you got interested in this topic of what Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are doing to relationships? Uh, it's impossible not to be interested because uh, everywhere you go, uh, you see 
what's going on with them. It's scandalous. Uh, and relationships are actually affected by it, as you said. Uh, politics, uh, religion affect relationships. Some people can't get along if they have opposing political parties. And, you know, 7% of people lost friendships over this as well. So it's a very stressful time uh, in our country with what's going on in the political arena as well as in the relationships uh, because of this. Mm. Now, how did you, as a person, get interested in psychoanalysis and the study of professional women? Because it's very interesting this book, What Price Power, an in-depth study of the, of the professional woman in a relationship. And, of course, I'm fascinated as a professional woman in a relationship. <laughs> How did you get interested in it? Well, I got interested because I grew up in a time when uh, women were either professionals or had families, and I felt that it wasn't natural. Uh, so I did a study to see how other women felt, actually it was a huge study with 700 women, uh, to see what the differences were in the relationships and uh, what happened. And what I found was there was a profound change that the women were actually empowered. Uh, they made financial decisions and social decisions. They were listened to more often at home. So what happens outside the home seems to have affected uh, what's going on inside the home. And uh, the midst of this change, uh, a homemaker becoming a professional, that often uh, is the most difficult part. Uh, but then uh, if divorce doesn't happen, uh, the marriage can be better than ever. Hmm. That is interesting. So you're saying that women who are professional homemakers, because God knows that's a profession, because I always say professional homemakers are the um, sous chef, the uh, executive chef, planning meals, shopping, cooking. They are the transportation coordinators, uh, the first-line medical care, et cetera. And there's so many high-level activities that a professional mom and homemaker has to cover. In fact, do you remember the study that was done that if you had to pay for all the yes. things, a professional mm-hmm. mom did. What was the amount? I think it was That's eight hundred thousand dollars or something. You'd have something to like a good amount. I'll tell you. Yeah, that is because, worth it. And worth it to have all those services. Yeah. So, yeah, how are the relationships different for moms who are professional moms who devote their lives to taking care of their families and their homes? Well, you know, it's interesting because the study that I did do. And I had the stigma attached to me, and this, these women looked down at me because I was actually going back to school and I had children. And they found that uh, mothers who had careers, the children were more confident, if anything. And looking uh, back, you know, uh, right now it's so common uh, that it just seems that they just, women just did not have the opportunities that they have now. I don't even know if that was your question, <laughs> where I'm going with this. But yeah, things yeah, have please. really changed enormously uh, to the better. I mean, we have a woman president, and uh, that would be very empowering, ex- except on a personal level. I don't feel too empowered uh, by her. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, so I, my, uh, my developmental stage as far as uh, progressing into success and individuation 
uh, was right about the same time as Hillary. The difference was that um, I chose family first, although she did, but politically she endured, I'm sure, a lot of emotional uh, discontent with what happened in her relationship to to continue to be uh, going forward in her um, political uh, arena. And I'm not diagnosing this. I'm just saying my perspective of this. So what you're Uh, saying is that you can see that she has suffered, obviously, discontent and unhappiness. I mean, who would in her marriage because of what's transpired? But in spite of it, she has, if you can use these words, answered the call to stay in politics. Yes, she put that energy into did not distract herself. So you can say in one way she gets credit for that because she promoted herself in spite of everything. But on the other hand, you know, generations are seeing these double standards with her, you know, put up with and look away. Uh, uh, so put up with the infidelity in the yes. marriage and look away. And look yes. away. And just well, she certainly seem, isn't yeah. the first woman to do that. There are yeah, many, many women. Of course it is. But I'm it's just wanting to acknowledge right. that we know a lot of women uh, I work with women like that every day in my yeah. private practice and in the seminars and workshops I teach who are saying, you know, I love this person, uh, I'm invested in this person, invested in the family yeah. we have together, and it's very hard to take apart my life, my children's lives, the life we've created together because this person has cheated. And sometimes uh, people make that bargain. It's a very difficult thing. But, and here's the big but, as you know, uh, we live in a a time where women are working and they're finding a way to manage life for themselves where they're not completely dependent on a man, where in the past it used to be more the case. So as I was saying, the younger generation uh, really doesn't have to put up with it in the same way, and they're not identifying with it in the same way. So that's a good thing. Yes. Absolutely. I think it is a good thing. Now, we have here a woman candidate, and we'll Mm -hmm. come back to her shortly. What do you think is going on on the other side with Mr. Trump? In terms of how this whole issue, how this impacts, who is he, what motivates him, and then we'll come back to how it impacts relationships. Yes. Well, you know, with with Donald, it's interesting also because with Hillary, it's what she says, and with Donald, it's how he says it that gets them both in trouble in a different way. Uh, he is someone who also, uh, the younger generation, uh, real, the millennials, uh, they don't really connect to his uh, sexual uh, assaults on women, verbally and physically. Uh, so he also is from a different generation, uh, but then when we look at, you know, it's sad that we have to talk about these things with presidential candidates. That's not my first thing I have to say. But when we look at uh, the, the facts, he does make sense if you can work through all the other garbage that's the problem here. Uh, so, you know. Yeah, see, a, I have trouble with that because I don't think putting up a wall between the U.S. and Mexico makes sense at all. He's marginalizing I live in California where 50% of the people in this state are of Latin descent. So it doesn't make any sense to me to focus on one group as if they're pariahs 
And he also has said so many things that are racist, anti-Semitic. I mean, anti-Semitic. I just yes. I have a very hard I'm not time saying. with You're the right. attack uh, on humanity that he launches, not just absolutely, women, but absolutely. people of color. I know, I know. And there was something about Jewish or something, too, somebody today yes. I saw. And I'm Jewish, so I'm just saying that you, you're absolutely right. But we have to get, you know, really focus on the bigger picture. And we're living in a time of such danger. And, you know, they keep saying, well, he's going to push the button. And I'm saying they're going to, the button's going to be pushed on Hillary. Now, this is too subjective. Um, but the problem is in the media. Yeah, the, the difficulty when you talk about the danger we're in. Yes. This is his whole platform. It's fear-based. You should be afraid of people of Latin descent. You should be afraid of those criminals who are black people. You should be afraid of immigrants. You should be afraid. And from where I stand, when we talk about, if we bring our focus back to relationships and how this campaign is impacting relationships, one of the issues is that every person has a core wound that revolves around fear. And we bring this kind of latent, this subconscious fear out into the campaign, if you will. The campaign sparks it. It's almost like you know, putting a magnet up and the metal filings fly out. What are you seeing with couples in terms of these very polarizing issues that are being talked about in the campaign? Well, you know, it's become more about personalities than the campaign itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, he said, she said kind of situation. More personality uh, than actual politics. And yes, more personality. Maybe even, dare I say, leadership. Exactly. And, you know, so we forget even what they're saying. We are ready, set. We're voting for one of these people, and no one's going to change us. And uh, anxiety sets in if somebody does try to change you because, as you know, when you have conflict and you're ambivalent, uh, it's harder than just making a decision even if it's the wrong decision. So that seems to be, uh, you know, across the board. Yeah, a lot of people, that's a very good point you're making. A lot of people cannot live with the anxiety of having to question their beliefs or question their point of view. Yeah, exactly, yeah. because neither one especially is the right one. Especially if they feel frightened. You know? Especially if they yeah. feel frightened. I'm going to you know, go toward a, what makes me feel safe. I'm not going to examine it. Yes. I'm going to believe it. I made it. up my mind. Leave me alone. That's it. Right. Go away. So what happens to couples when one person in the relationship tries to actually have a deeper conversation about what's going on? Or let's go back for a moment to Hillary, because here we have the first woman to reach this level, we had Shirley Chisholm back in the day, but she didn't get very far. So here's the first woman to actually have a viable positioning to become president, yet in our culture we still have a lot of patriarchy, we still have misogyny, we still have sexism, women are still earning, you know, about, if you look at numbers that look good, about 80 cents on the dollar for every man. Now, that number washes out if we look at intersectionality and look at women who are African-American who earn 60 cents on the dollar, women who are Latin who earn about 69 cents on the dollar. So there's a big differential depending on the race of the woman. That's true. And But here's something that's also disturbing, that Hillary herself, 
does not pay women equally to men. I mean, I did some research and I saw that uh, she pays 30% less than Donald. Who would think he pays everyone? Uh, For those that he does pay, because there's another side that to that pay. issue too. Yes, you're <laughs> all right the lawsuits that too. in his wake are pretty well documented. That's so true how too. do we look so at knows? sexism when we look at the first woman candidate? Does she bear a burden here of being seen through a lens that a male candidate? Would, with the same voice and with the same points of view, would he be viewed differently? Would we be less critical of the things she has to say and her personality if she were male? I've always wondered. That's a very important point that you're making because when people talk about her, they do talk about her facial expressions, her frozen smile, her scripted manner, her robotic way of walking. And so they're very descriptive about her. And you're right, it's almost objectifying her as a a person who is different than a man. A man, people expect to be more aggressive and uh, to be able to be powerful, uh, to have command of the room. And that's something that's very positive. I mean, you know, sociopathic tendencies make the best president, and they're the narcissistic, self-centered big ego, confident type of people. Yes, and then you put it on Hillary, uh, and people are critical about that with her. And yet she's taking a powerful position that really demands that. So women are, are, are people, I guess so, but they're people that need to be seen in a way where we are today and not how society has scripted them. And we need to see more powerful women uh, to get more comfortable with this. So what about at home? A woman who is, you wrote your book on what price power, in-depth study professional woman in a relationship, what price are professional women, Hillary, we've talked about the price she's paying at home, but what price in general do professional women pay to be powerful women? Well, uh, first of all, you know, we got what we asked for, which is two uh, careers. We come home and we, uh, we don't sit down and read the newspaper. Uh, we come home if there's kids, if there's a relationship, if there's dinner to be made, it's the second job. So chores are, uh, you know, demanded, and it could be an exhausting experience. But the difference is these women are not depressed. They're exhausted. And women who stay home uh, with children under school age, uh, you know, they're depressed. So yes. that's There's the, quite that's, a bit of research showing that those yes. women who are professional homemakers suffer more from both exactly. anxiety and depression. And, uh, you know, I have my opinions about why, but what do you think, Dr. Frieda? Yes. Uh, what do I think about it? You know, it's hard. You, you, you spend your life... Uh, developing who you are as a human being, individuation, uh, going to school more so than ever, going to college. And then you have a a beautiful child or children, and you're happy about that. And then uh, you're home with this child, and then you wonder, where are you going? And I find that women in their mid-30s are often the most depressed uh, because they are home, and they're wondering, is this it? Is this the rest of my life? So that could be pretty scary, too, because you lose yourself and your children. Uh, and uh, there's a lot to be said about that. And then after a while, you forget about it, and you keep going, and then the kids go to college, 
and you have this empty nest syndrome. So you have to really prepare yourself for that and keep developing yourself along the way as well. That also is one of the keys to happiness for a relationship, those people in relationship who develop themselves as a couple. There was a big study done recently, I'm sure you know, showing that at the end of the day when all the research from all the love labs is diagnosed, distilled, uh, and sifted to the most minute particles, the most important finding is that couples who continue to grow as a couple and work on their relationship together are the happiest couples. Yes, absolutely right. Uh, You know, uh, when you take turns supporting each other, nurturing uh, with your careers, with your ambitions, uh, everybody needs a little bit of each. Everybody needs to have that kind of control, uh, that kind of stepping back that somebody else should do some of the work and responsibility for them. So I'm talking about men and women becoming more androgynous, which is more in the middle. And that's really the healthiest place for everybody to be. Well, that's also true about political beliefs because there's research that shows, for example, if your parents have different political beliefs, you're more likely to be moderate in your beliefs. But what happens if the parents have the same belief? Well, you know, it's interesting. I did a study on this, but let me think if I remember what I did. Uh, If the parents have the same belief... Um, I think my post says that um, they are, then there's uh, no conflict. Often uh, it's when there's a discrepancy between two different parties uh, and which way to go uh, and conflict in the home, and it does uh, alter the relationship as well. And sometimes one party won't talk about it, and the other will be very verbal because they enjoy exchanging ideas. So this is interesting because it's not only religion that could affect a marriage, but the different points of view in politics uh, that could really bring problems. Right. Well, your your research, I went through some of your research. It says people who have opposite political views tend not to stay together long enough to even get married. And that this is also as strong a predictor, as you just said, as religion or personality types. Yeah, that's so sad because, uh, you know, we have opinions. Uh, we live in a free country. That's all wonderful. But at the point of disturbing your own individual situation um, and making that more important, it's, it, it makes no sense. I mean, right on my block where I live, people aren't talking to each other. They're not married to each other but for different uh, political points of view in the community of people running for district or whatever. Mm. And in America, you know, so that, to me that doesn't make sense either. A friend is a yeah. friend. A husband, a wife is a You know, it's silly, really. But this is the, it the is, people, but that's yeah, where we are, yeah. I know, I know. And so you, people, yeah. it's, you're saying also, as I was looking through some of your work, that people yeah. are more likely to have hostile feelings toward people of different political parties than even racist points of view toward members of another race. It's more of a flashpoint even than racism, which is exactly. shocking. Yeah, well, very, very sad. Now, uh, when people have the same affiliation 
and they choose to live near each other. Do these people lead the next generation to become even more polarized? That's a good question. You know, we tend to live with people similar like ourselves. And so, therefore, we pick communities. So economic uh, gains and situations define us more even than our culture, uh, than our uh, diverse backgrounds. And so with that in mind, you're right, it does polarize and it does keep you within a certain place. So if uh, where you live uh, is people are more Republican, uh, if, you're not, if you didn't start that way, by the way, you'll tend to go in that direction as well. You'll be uh, supporting and, and hearing their point of views, and everybody wants to be accepted and getting along, as you, know, as you just said. Otherwise, there is a, you don't feel accepted, you don't, you're not part of the community, or you may as well move. Hmm. So you're saying people are different in relationships, even sexually, depending on what party they belong to. Uh, for example, you say 53%, based on your research, 53% of those who describe themselves as conservative Republicans say they had more satisfactory sex compared with 40% of liberal Democrats. Uh, conservatives are more rigid. Once they try something that works, they repeat it. Liberals want a sense of humor, independence, and equity in a partnership. That's very interesting. Yes, because you think it would be the opposite, uh, but they are, you know, they're programmed more into uh-huh. their way of thinking, and uh, th- then they go ahead, and they're not as flexible with that. So all this, you know, when we're talking about it, it sounds, you know, trivial because, oh, of course, I'm not going to worry about who's voting for what when I get married. There are other things to think about, uh, personality, you know, uh, where they are uh, as far as their education is concerned, uh, where do they want to live. And, of course, religion is the top thing. You know, do we have something in common? Yeah, uh, well, you're saying even down to preferences in taste and body odor smell and things like this are politically programmed. Yes. That and is so fascinating. It, it, it sounds absurd. It really sounds absurd. Yes, it and does. Yet, it, you know, I wouldn't <laughs> it believe it either does. if you told me this, for sure. But then, you know, when when you look at it and you see that similar people, uh, they have similar profiles mm-hmm. and their similar lifestyles. Uh, so this is just a profound way of saying that they have certain diets, they have certain exercise uh, programs, and uh, so they become much more similar as well. So what can couples do if you are in a couple or a relationship or you are in a family or even with coworkers, as you said, your neighbors, and there's been a schism because of political views or because, you know, one person says, hey, I I was in actually in Israel in April, and our taxi driver said, my wife is American. And even though she was always a Republican, she told her husband, who's very conservative, I think it's time for a woman to have a chance because I don't think men have done as good a job as they could do. I think it's time for a woman to have a chance. 
Now, what do you do if you're in a marriage like that where the husband is going, what are you, crazy? You know, we're conservatives. And you know, there are Americans who had, had transplanted um, to Israel. And the wife is saying, even though I'm conservative, I want to vote for a woman. How do you heal that in a relationship? How do you heal that in a friendship or in your family? Because I do know people who have defriended others for their political points of view or stopped talking to friends because they're supporting a candidate that's different. Well, you know, how do you heal that? You you would think the core value of that person's friendship or relationship was strong enough to go ahead and not be affected by any of this. So you, I wonder what else, what other variable, as you know you've done research, you know, what other things are going on uh, that are not being spoken about? Uh, hopefully that uh, we're stronger in our minds of what our priorities are. So this cab driver, that's interesting with his wife, what he told you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fascinating that she crossed parties because she wants a woman president. Now, I'm wondering, if she, does she want Hillary for president, or does she want a woman president? Well, she's saying she's voting for Hillary because a woman should have a chance. And Hillary's the only woman on the scene. <laughs> so I think if people are saying they want a woman, that has to be the choice. But now, you for didn't those catch couples my expression are, on my face. Yeah, I'm sorry. Those couples okay. who are really having difficulty, what mm-hmm. would be your advice to them? Or family members having difficulty because of differences? What would be your best advice to them? We just have a minute left, and you get the, the best, last word to give advice. Thank you. Wow, okay. So the best advice, actually, is to talk it through, not to not talk, because then it's the elephant in the room, and to talk it through in a way that you understand where the, where the other person is coming from. You don't have to agree with it, but then it can become fun if you do that, because when you hear other people's challenges, then you, the fear is gone, because cognitively, uh, we can be more flexible when we're open to suggestion and new ideas. And isn't that a fun way to be rather than closing off any ideas? Then you become very boring. What can I tell you? <laughs> Great you know, advice, Dr. Frieda Birnbaum. Thank you so much for spending yeah, time well, with us. All right, everybody, write that down. No matter what, talk it out. Don't build a wall because of political differences. Spend the time really, really, and I would say, to piggyback on what Dr. Birnbaum has advised, spend time remembering why that person has been your friend, your lover, your spouse, your confidant, your neighbor, and really focus on those things that bring you together and talk about You know, what is it in me that causes me to like a candidate or feel this way politically? But at the end of the day, what makes relationships strong is that we celebrate commonalities and we celebrate differences because, as Dr. Birnbaum said so wisely, it gets boring otherwise. You don't want to just be with people like you. And I'm going to interrupt because you said something. You said something very wise. Absolutely. Always go back to the beginning of the relationships in, in any prospect, and you'll see why you like that person. And when you remember that, then everything else will, will take second place. 
Beautiful. Thank you so much, Dr. Frida Birnbaum is our guest tonight. Oh, thank Thank you. you Thank you. Dr. Birnbaum is our guest tonight here on Modern Love Radio. Stay with us. More to come. And if you are in the San Francisco Bay Area and you would like to join me live for one of our once a month, one day intensive, send me an email at love at docwade.com, love at docwade.com, and we will add you to our information list so you can get that information. Thank you to Mr. LeGrand Green, our executive producer, to Cliff Dunning, our associate producer, and to all of you modern lovers. Thank you. I love you. Blessings. Bye bye. <laughs> When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. 